Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Rolling. Ooh, look at that shot there, Zubin. That is right near where we're at. Not quite where we're at, but close enough. And speaking of where things were, the Knicks, man. What happened to the Knicks? They were rolling at 5-3. and three. We put them in the finals, I believe, at 5-3. <laughs> hey, they beat, the, they beat the Celtics by 30 the other day. They still doing all right. Yeah. They're right there. They're right there behind the Brooklyn Nets, Key. It ain't over yet. Long season, man. Yeah, it's a long season, but it's not looking good for them. They're starting to kind of fade away a little bit, I think, Zubin. Yeah, it's going to be a long season for the Mets, and the season hasn't even began. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Goodyear hotline, including baseball insider Buster Only, who will join us in 10 minutes or less on a big breaking story in Major League Baseball that ESPN has been reporting on here for the last few years, came to light in the last few hours and has exploded onto the scene. You just heard James Harden and company making it work in Brooklyn, but we're going to go to Queens now for this particular story. And this morning, the New York Mets, According to their owner, Steve Cohen, the hedge fund manager, new owner, the official Twitter feed at Stephen A. Cohen 2. Cohen saying that we have terminated Jared Porter this morning. That is their new general manager. The backstory in just one second. In my initial press conference, I spoke about the importance of integrity and I meant it. There should be zero tolerance for this type of of behavior. If you're just waking up and seeing this story, it's on ESPN.com. Let us get you up to date. The Mets hired Jared Porter, 41 years old, baseball executive, had a meteoric rise in the industry on December 13th of last year. He's been on the job for five weeks, but yesterday in a story that you can see on ESPN.com right now, our Jeff Passan and Mina Kimes put together a story that said Porter had sent explicit, unsolicited text and inappropriate images to a reporter covering baseball, a foreign reporter that had come stateside to cover the national pastime in 2016. This is when Porter was the director of pro scouting for the Chicago Cubs. The two first met in an elevator at Yankee Stadium five years ago, and now, over the last half decade, this guy has ascended to the general manager of the Yankees' crosstown rival, the Mets. But these text messages, many inappropriate, and some images, many inappropriate, can be seen on ESPN.com. So once again, a year after firing their manager without managing one game because of the sign-stealing scandal in Carlos Beltran, they have now fired their general manager after explicit, unsolicited Solicited text and images were sent to this reporter. And for more on this story and the firing of Jared Porter before he even took over at all, we're joined by Buster only on the Goodyear hotline. So, Buster, I just tried to give the news elements to the story. I know you and Passon and Mina Kimes have been working this story constantly. What more can you add? Uh, well, that they essentially internally the Mets felt like there was no choice, that they're absolutely they had to act. And first and foremost, you think about um, the experience uh, that uh, this reporter, uh, the woman who was from another country, coming over here and getting all those text messages, you feel so terrible for her in dealing with this and trying to navigate it, and you wonder if it did affect, in the end, um, her going to uh, another profession and, and how sad that is. Uh, from the Mets' perspective, you know, uh, Sandy Alderson, who is a team president, you know, didn't have a, a prior working relationship with Jared Porter. There were people in baseball who were surprised that he hired someone that he didn't know firsthand. Um, and, uh, you know, from, from his perspective, he had asked the question, look, can this person moving forward be someone who can lead an organization? Obviously not. 
Um, and, and, you know, third, I think you have to look at it from the perspective of Steve Cohen, the Mets owner who made the announcement on his own Twitter feed uh, that they were firing him. He's taking over this club now uh, at a time when, you know, Mets fans are thinking, okay, it's a different regime, it's a new thing. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason why he probably acted the way that he did. He wants to change the culture with the, with the organization. How important was it for Steve Cohen to send a swift message so quickly? Didn't give it any time at all, bam, gone. It was it was hugely important, um, and in fact, I was a little bit surprised that it didn't happen last night. Uh, you know, once Jared Porter acknowledges, uh, I'm assuming in conversation with Sandy Alderson, that yes, he had sent these. Then I don't I don't think there's a decision to be made, Keith. What, what's next for the Mets, though? Now that this is done, terminated, what where do they go? What do they start internally looking at how this happened? Why did we get to this point? Well, one thing is, uh, as Sandy said in the statement last night, you know, this happened at a time when Jared was working for the Chicago Cubs. Um, and then since then, he moved to the Arizona Diamondbacks, and then he was just recently hired by the Mets. And, and Sandy said that you know there was no awareness in the Mets organization before last night that this had taken place. And when they found out, they moved. Now, Internally for them, they just went through a general manager search. Uh, they talked to a number of candidates, I think six or seven. So maybe they go back and talk to Mike Hill, who used to be the general manager of the, the Miami Marlins. Maybe they talk to some of the other candidates and, and draw upon uh, you know those names and, and pick somebody. Because they're in the middle right now of... Uh, trying to, you know, upgrade this team for 2021. There's still some thought that, you know, they might add Brad Hand, who's one of the best relievers available, that they might add George Springer, one of the best outfielders available. And I'd say this, too, that I, I think this situation is going to be uh, important within baseball, that everybody within the sport works off of this. Because uh, I don't think anybody should be naive to think this is the only time this sort of thing has happened in a male-dominated industry. And it gives you know Major League Baseball a chance to investigate, gives teams a chance to you know have conversations with their employees about how horrible something like this is. Buster, do you think this will affect the Springer negotiation at all? Uh, you know, I've wondered that because obviously, um, you know, if you're the Mets, you want to turn the page. I really don't think it. I don't, but I don't think it will. I mean, they've had a successful off season in terms of player acquisition. Uh, in terms of upgrading the team for next season, I think it's going to come down to with George Springer. You know, uh, are, are they going to be willing to pay above and beyond what his other offers are? We know the Toronto Blue Jays are heavily involved. We know that if the Mets sign George Springer, they're likely to go over the competitive balance tax, um, and they'll they'll have to pay some money for that. But on the other hand, man, if you add George Springer and Francisco Lindor to a lineup that has Michael Conforto and Pete Alonso and Dom Smith and, you know, with Jacob deGrom, wow. Um, so I, I think they're going to wind up being separate, uh, you know, separate conversations. And Sandy did basically run baseball operations for the first month after Steve Cohn was approved as owner. Sandy being team president, Sandy Alderson, we're being joined by Buster Olney on the Goodyear Hotline this morning to react to the breaking news of the Mets firing their general manager, Jared Porter, essentially five weeks after hiring him after an explosive ESPN report confirming that he sent explicit 
unsolicited text messages and images inappropriate in nature to a reporter in 2016. The story's on ESPN.com right now. I encourage you to go check it out when you can with some of the text messages and the photos linked in the story. Buster, before I ask you this next question, I just want to make sure that for some of the audience that's just waking up to hear this story, Buster did mention that the journalist in this story has left the profession. She also said, while not specifying the country that she's from, she said in the country that she's from, women that bring up these sort of allegations are never heard. She thought in the United States where there was a women's empowerment movement, that's her words, that she would feel more comfortable bringing this up. Buster, what do you think of the juxtaposition that in the division right now, in the Mets own division, Kim Ng is a leader, a female general manager in the Mets' own division, the National League East. So she's been empowered to that level. The Mets are in a situation where, correct me if I'm wrong, second-year manager, new GM, new owner, and all of this falling into their laps at once. It's going to be a challenge um, in the days ahead. And I, and I do you know, just want to double back on something I said. I really hope that Major League Baseball... Uh, uses this example and what happened in this case where these text messages were sent to this reporter uh, and she wasn't sure how to respond uh, and eventually getting help to to send him, Jared Porter, a text saying these are inappropriate uh, and then not you know being uncertain about how she should react until when he became general manager of the Mets, her decision, according to you know Jeffs and me and his great reporting, her decision was, look, now that he's in a position of authority, I don't want anybody else to have this sort of experience. That's exactly what Major League Baseball should be efforting toward as we move forward from this incident, where maybe they could put something in place where you know people can go to uh, someone in central baseball, whether it be a reporter. Or somebody you know, who had an experience and report an incident like this, because it's pretty clear the reporter wasn't sure exactly how to handle this. Buster, we, we've been talking amongst ourselves this morning, trying to wrap our, our hands around this situation and understand how this got to this point when in 2016, 2017, ESPN had it. And I don't know the the vetting process in Major League Baseball when they go to hire. How you know? Do they hire a search firm? Is it internally done? But how this information wasn't uncovered if it happened a while ago, but yet and still ESPN was able to get it. Well, this and I'm speaking generally, not specifically this story, because this is Jeff and Mina's story. Um, in reading the story, it was clear that. Uh, that the reporter who had gotten the text messages, who had been harassed, was approached by uh, by you know someone who works at ESPN now, and asked about whether or not she wanted to talk about this, and she made it clear she was not ready. Although there had been an interview back in uh, you know in 2016, and they'd gone through information, she was concerned about backlash, and so it wasn't till recently after he became the general manager, that her perspective changed. And I think as a reporter, that decision was exactly right, that uh, you defer to the wishes of the person who was harassed in this case. No, I, I get it. But I guess, you know, when you, in these professions, as you know, Buster, there's so much chatter, right? It's like no matter what the situation is, you hear certain things. And I'm just puzzled to to think that, it was n- nobody in Major League Baseball circles heard it except 
the the individual at ESPN. It's just you know, well, once one person gets hit, it seems like everybody else would have it. A lot of times, I think that that is the case. So you you know, you hear stories, and there's you know, there's buzz on this person, on this front office person. Um, but I, I can't because I wasn't involved in the yes. in the reporting of it. I can't. Uh, you know, illuminate exactly how the chain of command was in this piece of information. Absolutely. Yes. And one instructive piece of information that Buster passed along in the piece that the young reporter did say that she felt her career would be impacted because if you right. take a look at the status of somebody mm-hmm. like Porter, a baseball mm-hmm. executive, she's mm-hmm. just new to the country trying to get onto the baseball beat. And she felt that if she made any waves at that particular time, it might impact her career. Buster mentioned eventually it got so bad that she left the profession in general. Last thing I should just mention, it's not a question, it's a comment. The Mets new owner, Steve Cohen, the boyhood fan who bought the team, he is a hedge fund manager, a billionaire, the head of Point Seventy Two Asset Management. And a couple of years ago, as well chronicled by many sources, his company underwent um, some investigation for hostility in the workplace towards females. So that's something that Cohen is going to have to rectify and reconcile alongside this story. Buster, really appreciate your perspective this morning. We'll continue to work the story. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, Thanks, Buster. A reminder. Yeah, go ahead, Jay. I was going to say real quick, I I actually think the way the Mets have gone about it and Steve Cohen, uh, I would agree with. I think even if it is hearsay, uh, you can't put the, you know, the... The card in front of the horse, you have to actually wait for there to be conviction and there to be more evidence. And that obviously comes from the young woman speaking out on it instead of just coming to some kind of evaluation on your own about hearsay. I think once she spoke out, I think as swiftly as Steve Cohen has answered the call, I think that's the right way to handle it. You know, it's not it, I'm not it's not the it's not the hearsay. It's the puzzling of in the in circles, in the sports circle, right. in our arena. When there's just it could be anything, people just somehow find out because when you tell one person something, that one person or two people can't hold water. Even though it was in 2016, it just you know I'm I'm like they didn't have no inkling at all that there was anything. Did they scrub it to the degree? How did they scrub it? Uh, did nothing come back? I mean that's why I'm like okay. Lastly, I would say there's three main points to the story. One, the ESPN report comes out, which, again, you can check out right now on ESPN.com. I was looking at it on my phone several times. This morning, it's just a tap away for you from Jeff Passan and Mina Kimes. Like I said, with the actual text messages that they had had in communication mm-hmm. and some photos. The second thing was the Mets approached him about it. Team's uh, president, Sandy Alderson, said he readily admitted he did it. Although I will say, if you look at the ESPN.com story, what's interesting is he said there was no pictures sent. There were no selfies. And when ESPN broached it and said, actually, we have them, like, then he backtracked. Uh-uh. So he wasn't exactly perfectly honest at the beginning. That's an important quality qualifier to put in as well. Sandy Alderson got the report from ESPN, just like you or I or Jay or anybody else saw it. They said, is this true? He admitted it. He was remorseful. He said, we'll take appropriate action. Sandy Alderson's boss, team owner, Steve Cohen, took the appropriate action on his Twitter feed just moments and, ago. And Zubin, I'm going I'm to go ahead and say it. Like, there, there's something a little bit different to this level. Obviously, like what he did was not acceptable. But the fact, if you have 62 text messages unanswered, after one or two, you need to get some kind of sign registered that this is not happening in the way you would like for it to happen. 62 makes you think like this is that's on a different level. That's that's problematic and troublesome. 
There is no doubt about it. We'll continue to follow the story and we'll have everything as it develops. But right now, the biggest thing you need to know, Jared Porter has been fired as general manager of the New York Mets for this particular scandal. Again, we'll work it. Anything you need to know, we're all over it. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance at Progressive. They're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. And I know it's too early, but if the first two games are any indication, the Nets may feel comfortable about making the NBA Finals. So, Jay, I guess the real question is, after coming off the triple-double in the first game against the Magic, had 34-6 and a dozen dimes in their tight win over the Bucks last night, as heard on ESPN Radio, is two games too early to say title or bust? No. No, as soon as the trade went down, it was title or bust. I mean, and that's how every year should be. And if you're Kevin Durant, James Harden, or Kyrie, you want it to be that way. You, you want to have a chance to win titles. That's why you play. And all these guys are in unique situations where James Harden has not won one yet, even though he was up 3-1 to one against the Golden State Warriors, against that KD team. You have Kyrie Irving that won one with LeBron. And even though Kyrie Irving made the game-winning shot in order to elevate them, that was still LeBron's team. And then for Kevin Durant, even though he's two-time finals MVP and he's had two you know world championships, that's still considered to be Stephen Curry's team. So it's a chance for all of them to come together the interesting part for me isn't out of this game isn't the Brooklyn Nets it's the Milwaukee Bucks Mm. this team was just a symbol for the Nets and they come back and they beat you once again I said I'm not paying attention to the regular season more so the matchups key number one Giannis didn't guard Kevin Durant down the stretch and then the play designed to close out the game for a chance to win was designed for Chris Middleton not Giannis and that's due to the lack of skill set that Giannis has from a shooting perspective. But I also think this is a major year, not only for the Bucks but also for their head coach and Coach Bud. There have been a lot of questions about the last two years. Teams have just built walls against the Milwaukee Bucks in the playoffs. Their regular season success, great. They finished the last two seasons, best record in the entire league. But when teams build playoff walls, People have wondered about there aren't those little nooks or those little crannies in which Bud has been able to kind of turn this corner and build around Giannis. It seems like the scheme has been the same. And if they don't get it done this year, and what I mean by getting it done is getting to a world championship, have a chance to win it, I think you'll see a different head coach next year. Well, I think when you when you look at the Brooklyn Nets and you look at the game last night against Milwaukee, the one thing that I took away from it much like you said, is the shot at the end of the game, but also on the defensive end, taking care of Kevin Durant when time, doing crunch time. I got my best player, two-time uh, MVP, two-time defensive player of the year. I need to find out the best player on their team that's going to take the shot that I can guard. I know I may not be able to guard James Harden, but that's okay. I can get on Kevin Durant in crunch time. And also at the end of the game, I need to be the one that banged down low, whatever the case may be, to take the shot. Whether I hit it or I fell at it, I'm the guy. In order for us to win, it, got, it has to go through me. And for whatever reason, it hasn't gone that way here recently for Giannis to be able to be the guy that steps up. He's, he's kind of deferred to other people on the team. Now, maybe that's just the coaching. Maybe that's the style. Maybe it's not him personally. But I would be so demanding – that it's going to ride with me. If I'm making $40-plus million a year, then I'm going to be the one that fell at it. I'm not going to allow you to fail me. Key, Jalen Rose, we were playing the Bulls, and i never forget this. Bill Cartwright was drawing up a play, 
And the play was designed for Jamal Crawford. And I watched Jay Rose at this juncture of his career just being traded over from um, Indiana, literally slapped the board to a degree and said, no, Bill, you run this play for me. And I watched Bill look at him. And then Bill was like, all right, Jalen, we're going to run this play for you. So it, it does take that kind of mentality sometimes in games. Like, nah, you ain't drawing this play up for nobody else. Give me the ball. This is my team, and you want to see that from Giannis. I agree with you. Yeah, no, and I've been in situations as a player where I've called timeout mm-hmm. when they've called certain plays. I said, no, nah, man, we're not doing that. We're getting ready to throw the ball to me, period. Timeout. I don't know. You can say what you want to say, and I know I got to deliver. I know I got to deliver because if I don't, then that's my ass. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Great stories from you both and great imitation of Cartwright with that scratchy voice. Well done, Jay Will. Imagine trying to try to run a play here and that in front of 20,000 people. What did you just say? <laughs> okay. Exactly. What? <laughs> Hand signs? One last thing, that is Kyrie could be back as early as Wednesday. They'll be at Cleveland Wednesday, one of Kyrie's old homes. You're all right, man. Drink some water. Take a, so yeah, drink yeah, some, some water, some water Zubin. Zubin. Yeah. Very, very emotional. You, you, Pardon. You, you, Brooklyn. I just I bowled over. It sound like it, but you can sip some water, man. It's okay. <laughs> I'm going to power through. You guys aren't the toughest guy. I'm going to power through with this journalism degree. On the way, Tim Legler on his thoughts on the Nets and Harden. Tuesday, the Buffalo Bills are back in the AFC Championship game for the first time in a quarter century, and the man who led them there last will be among my guests. The Hall of Famer Jim Kelly with me, Greeny, starting 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. here with your Sports Center update. Breaking news out of Major League Baseball. The New York Mets have fired their general manager, Jared Porter, who'd been on the job for five weeks. This after an explosive story on ESPN.com that said he sent inappropriate text messages and images to a former female baseball reporter. 
the new owner, Steve Cohen, tweeted out just minutes ago that they have, quote, terminated Jared Porter. In the NBA, the Warriors rally back from 19 down to beat Keys Lakers by two. Keep in mind, earlier this month, they did it to the other L.A. team. You might remember they were down 22 to the Clippers on January 8th before rallying to win. So after a rough start, Steph and company look to be rounding into form just a little bit. And rounding into form already after two games, of course, is James Harden. He was great triple-double in the first game, 34-6 and a dozen dimes last night. And actually a thrilling win over what could be an Eastern Conference Finals preview over the Bucks 125-123. We'll talk about that with Tim Legler here in just a moment. Sports Center is brought to you by Nature Valley, part crunchy, part creamy. A bit sweet and a bit salty, Nature Valley sweet and salty peanut bars are bursting with crunchy peanuts dipped in creamy nut butter coating and 100% delicious. Nature Valley, we are better outside. Let's go to the Goodyear hotline and welcome in the ESPN NBA analyst, Tim Legler. Tim, I know it's been two games. It's a small sample size. Take me inside what your eye sees from, we'll wait to see what happens with Kyrie, but just so far, Durant and Harden. Well, I think first of all, you know, you're looking at arguably the greatest pairing of just raw offensive talent that this league has ever seen. That's really what Kevin Durant and James Harden represent because they're guys that are going to win every single individual matchup they get. There's not really an answer for either one of them. James Harden, you know, with the numbers he's put up in Houston and the way that he creates offense for other people, his strength, his handle, his shooting range, you don't really have a game plan that you can put together to slow that down. And now he's paired with, you know, Kevin Durant, the greatest combination of length, handle, and shooting in one body in the history of this league. So you put those guys together out there and you find a flow and a chemistry between the two of them, you're going to have nights where they're flat out unguardable. And that's what I've seen in the first two. It's really remarkable to think that you could put James Harden out there this quickly and be that good offensively. Um, and that have that kind of a flow together um, because they haven't been paired up since they were very young in Oklahoma City. These are different players now, um, and it's not the easiest thing in the world to just throw talent out there and have it work. But the fact that they have uh, shown great chemistry between the two of them and, their, and the parts that they have around them fit perfectly. A Joe Harris, a DeAndre Jordan, a Jeff Green, those guys are going to benefit tremendously from all the attention that these two command. So I've been very impressed with how seamless it has looked through two games. Tim, how do you insert Kyrie Irving into this scenario? Do you keep him off the ball and let James Harden kind of run the point guard responsibilities considering he's averaged like 10 assists a game this year? They should, Jay. I mean, that's what they need to do. The question is going to be, you know, is Kyrie Irving going to be accepting of that? Look, he wasn't always the happiest guy even in Cleveland when he was playing in the shadow of LeBron James. Now, he had a lot of success there, and I think that's actually his best lane is in that, that co-pilot seat um, and let somebody else to cast a larger shadow go out there, be the guy that's accountable, responsible for leadership, all of those things, and you could just go play. That's what he was in Cleveland. So he had great success, but he didn't seem like he always was happy in that role. Well, now slide him to the back seat because that's really where he's going to be. There is no arguing whose team it is. It's Kevin Durant's team first. James Harden is higher on the food chain than Kyrie Irving. So is Kyrie Irving going to be happy with the way that this offense is going to flow with the ball not being in his hands as much as he's used to over the last few years in in Boston in a failed experiment there and even in the short time he was in Brooklyn without Kevin Durant? I, I just don't know how he is completely mentally locked in and engaged. He can do it for short periods of time. He has shown that. But can he do it for the long haul? And if he can't mentally buy into that, 
then what happens to that locker room? And that's really what we all need to see over a period of time. It looks great right now with two of those guys and a nice supporting cast. When you throw a third ball-dominant player into the mix, I, I just think the flow is going to be very difficult to maintain. And there's going to be guys, uh, uh, nights, certain guys are going to have to sacrifice to a greater extent than they have in the last decade. And, and are they going to be happy and willing to do it? Primarily, I asked that question to Kyrie Irving. Tim, I've said this before. I don't really care what the Bucks do during the regular season. It's all about playoffs to me. And last night, I didn't see Giannis guard KD down the stretch, nor did I see the last shot. The play seemed like it was designed for Chris Middleton. Does that make you worrisome about this team down the stretch, considering people report is to beat them in the playoffs? Yeah, for sure. And I think, look, when they went out and got Drew Holiday in the offseason, I personally felt like they may have gotten the piece to push them over the top and get them into the finals where they haven't been the last two years. This team has underachieved in the postseason. They've had the best record in the regular season two years in a row. They have the MVP of the league on their team two years in a row, and they haven't even been to the finals, and primarily because there are limitations in Giannis's game offensively, and that's going to manifest itself in close late games. Well, you've got to get a Drew Holiday. I think you may have answered it, but you've got to let him be the guy that makes the primary decision. I think their best option late is going to be Drew Holiday and Giannis Antetokounmpo in a two-man game where Giannis is the screener and diver. And that may sound crazy to think that an MVP is a guy that's going to set the screen and dive, but that is the perfect utilization of Giannis Antetokounmpo in those situations because he commands so much attention on that dive because he's got great hands, his strength, he's playing to you know, what he does best in getting to the rim. And now Drew Holiday is a good decision maker. If you go under the screen, he can stop and shoot a three. He's just a better version of what they have, have had at that spot. And then I watched the game last night, and what do they do? They're reluctant to go to Giannis in that situation because of his struggles at the foul line. He was just one for ten, you know, a couple games ago from the line. And Chris Middleton is the guy you end up going to because you don't have faith that Giannis is going to have an answer for whatever he sees in that moment. I think Drew Holiday can provide it, but they've got to give him a little bit more empowerment in those late-game situations. And if they do it, I think the Milwaukee Bucks can ultimately have the answer to win the Eastern Conference. But you saw last night, again, the hesitation. Don't want to go to Giannis. Drew Holiday didn't have the ball. You end up with a very difficult possession and, and a really difficult shot by Chris Middleton late. Indeed. It seems like an easy decision, but as Tim ran through, it's not as easy as it seems. Tim, I know you got to run. Thank you very much. I have a feeling we'll see the Nets and Bucks running up the floor maybe seven times a little later this spring. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate it. You got it. A reminder, Duran and Harden have scored or assisted on 208. Listen to this for a second. Duran and Harden have scored or assisted on 208 of the Nets' 247 points through the two games (laughs) they've been out there together. I guess they they have to throw three other guys out there just to field the starting five, but they've done everything. Stats incredible, brought to you by My Computer Career, training for a better life, and Jay, I would also say, just to back up Tim's point, the best one-two raw scoring combination, it's just going everyone over everyone's head because we're expecting it, but they combined for 64 last night, like it was nothing. 64 last night, like it was nothing. Yeah. It's going to be easy for this team offensively, but just to go back to what Tim said, it's going to be so fascinating to watch how Kyrie Irving handles being the third option as it relates to the totem pole. If it goes KD, then James Harden, and then Kyrie, how he handles that. Well, these are veteran guys now. No, this isn't when they were young at OKC. So I think from a mental standpoint, they'll be able to manage Kyrie, even though Kyrie might be a different guy 
I think it's all about how you communicate and how you treat him. With a veteran staff like Mike D'Antonio on the bench and Jacques Vaughn along with along – with, uh, who else is there that's a veteran coach for them? D'Antoni, did you no, just say? No, I said D'Antoni. Amari Stoudemire is there. Amari is there. So they should know how to kind of navigate to make him feel a certain way. And if they do that, and I think they'll be okay. You know, it's all about how you communicate with somebody and talk to them, Jay. You can't treat them like they don't belong. You got to kind of pat him on the back, give him some sugar every now and then, and make him feel good. That's what he's looking for. Every time I hear you say communication key, I get worried. Communication, considering the way Kyrie's communicated, start getting a little bit worried with communication. That's fair all. enough, fair enough. He's now missed seven straight games, but the Nets are at Cleveland tomorrow, possibly could return according to Nash. Obviously, that is a familiar landing spot for Kyrie Irving. On the way, is there not going to be a landing spot for Eric Bieniemy? This offseason to finally get that first coveted NFL head coaching job. We'll dig into it and why there's a much bigger story at work here. Josh Allen is every bit as good as Patrick Mahomes. You can't say for sure when you're talking about concussions to get Patrick Mahomes back onto the field for the AFC Championship game against the Buffalo Bills. This is Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. New York Mets this morning have fired their general manager, Jared Porter. They had only hired him December 13th of last year, so essentially five weeks or so on the job. This coming in the wake of an explosive report on ESPN.com by our Jeff Passan and Mina Kimes that says that Porter sent inappropriate text messages and photos to a former female baseball reporter this morning. Steve Cohen, the hedge fund manager, has fired Jared Porter. He is now the new owner of the New York Mets. The statement essentially says the New York Mets have terminated general manager Jared Porter effective immediately. Jared's actions, as reflected by events disclosed last night, failed to meet the Mets' standards for professionalism and personal conduct. Again, that statement from Mets president Sandy Alderson, his boss, the owner, Stephen Cohen, tweeted that Porter is done. Paston's going to join us at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. Buster only joined us earlier this morning on why they had to fire Porter now. It was hugely important. Um, And in fact, I was a little bit surprised that it didn't happen last night. Uh, You know, once Jared Porter acknowledges, uh, I'm assuming in conversation with Sandy Alderson, that yes, he had sent these, then I don't don't think there's a decision to be made, Keith. 
and Key essentially asked him why it happened now. The answer from Buster right there. Again, Jeff Passan, the co-author of the story with Mina Kimes, will join Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. If you want to take a look at the story with the text and some photos in the story, you can do so right now at ESPN.com. Com. Eric Bieniemy has had an interview with the Houston Texans. I'm not exactly sure how many people feel this is a genuine interview. You might have heard that the Texans were the only team that essentially stayed away from Bieniemy in the initial hiring process. You know he's the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs and has put together a couple of record-setting seasons in Kansas City alongside Patrick Mahomes. Earlier this morning, Peter King from Football Morning in America and NBC Sports joined us this morning. There is a prevailing notion that Bieniemy might get shut out with only a couple jobs left to be filled, but King appears to be a little more optimistic. I'm not positive he will get passed over. Hmm. I think the Houston Texans need Eric Bieniemy right now. And if that is the only job available after the season, I'm not saying they will hire him. I don't know what the Houston Texans will do. They're, they're interviewing everybody in the field right now with Nick Casario. But I'm not saying it's impossible to rescue the relationship with uh, – you know, with Deshaun Watson, it's like when you've got an injury and the trainer says, you just got to let this settle down. You got a bad back, just got to give it a couple days, relax, rest, settle down. That's what this, ha- that's what has to happen here. And I don't think the Texans should be rushed into a damn thing. They're stupid if they, if they let that happen. If you want, you can hear the entire interview. Peter joined us. Just download Hour 2 of the KJZ podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Had a ton of great information. All right, fellas. So the Texans, whether they were pressured, whether they did it genuinely, they have interviewed Eric Bieniemy. something that uh, Deshaun Watson had been plugging all the way. They've finally done it. Too little, too late, Key? You know, it's not even, for me, it's not about being too little, too late. It's about the approach, and their approach was just wrong, not only for Deshaun's sake, and it's not even the Texans. It's the entire league as far as I'm concerned. When you look at the minority, whatever, you look at the practice of hiring black head coaches. I don't want to get into the minority side of it because minorities come in all shapes, sizes, and colors. But let's not fool ourselves about why the Rooney Rule was put in place. It had nothing to do with minorities. They can cover and hide behind the minority aspect of things, but it was about black head coaches that look like me. Black. Black mother, black father. That's what it was about, right? I mean, and and so the league and these teams, man, you know, you didn't even interview Eric Bieniemy originally. It took Deshaun to jump up and down, scream and holler, for y'all to even consider going to interview Eric Bieniemy when every other job opening put out their request to interview Eric Bieniemy. And I know the league is saying we're making progress in hiring minorities. Minorities, we're making progress because Robert Sala, first Muslim Lebanese American to be a head coach in the National Football League, mm-hmm. Ron Rivera, uh, Latino down in uh, Washington. Mm-hmm. And then you got um, Brian Flores, Flores, who is African-American in... He's Afro-Latino. Afro-Latino. That's the way they're describing him. Mike Tomlin is black. And Mike Tomlin is black. That that is black. Now, where is that at? Where is that hiring practice at? Because you only got two job openings available, according to the reports, because Dan Campbell, my ex-teammate, is going to take the job 
in uh, Detroit. Detroit. So you only got the Eagles left, if that's true, in Houston. But you had to come back around several weeks later after Deshaun went on vacation and wouldn't answer your phone calls to finally say, okay, we're going to interview Eric Bieniemy. Now, there's only 32 jobs. If I'm Eric Bieniemy, the job was one of the better jobs because the quarterback was there. Now the quarterback might not even be there. <laughs> now I'm being set up for failure because I'm walking into a situation on whether the quarterback is going to be there or not. I got to repair all of this. The Nick Casario, the general manager that came over from the New England Patriots, in his defense, he really didn't have nothing to do with the botch interviews he, at the time. He didn't have anything to do with that. But now that he's in place, he's got to come in and he's got to throw everybody under the bus to salvage <laughs> the relationship with Deshaun Watson. Jay, he's got to come in and throw everybody under the bus, roll them over three or four times, <laughs> kick them, whatever it is, to kill off them, to make himself feel like he's saving the day. And that could work if Deshaun buys in. But based on the reports that's out there, he's at the end of the line. Key, I don't see this one working. And look, I've known Deshaun for a while. He's always struck me as somebody who is first class. For him not to be returning phone calls, Key, that speaks volumes about where this organization is. For Andre Johnson to voice this support, for him after not tweeting for two years, two years. And then to come out and say what he said about the organization speaks volumes for JJ Watt to openly apologize to him because it's one of the worst ranked defenses in the history of the NFL speaks volumes up where this organization is. And if I'm Eric Bieniemy and Zubin, I know we've talked about it before about, well, your time can run out with Patrick Mahomes and everything happening here, considering all these things are happening, I do not touch that. I stay in Kansas City. Even if I'm trying to talk to Deshaun Watson about what do you make to amend this, this goes way above Eric Bieniemy. Key, this goes to McNair, the owner, the fact that the owner of the franchise that has a top five QB has not paid the respect to your legendary quarterback who is legendary in the making. You're not giving him the attention that warrants from that position. I don't know if that could just be amended by even if you give me the head coach I want. There's bigger issues to fry then. Well, in, in these situations, you got to take a step back if you're Eric Bien. I mean, you got to take a step back if you're Deshaun, right? You got to kind of let things settle down a little bit because when you have emotions running high, you can make bad mistakes. I wouldn't recommend to Eric Bien not to take the interview or not to look at the head coaching opportunity because Zubin is correctly 1998 17 trillion spots right on That's a weird number. I know I just threw it out there because it's way out there. It you cannot pass on an opportunity if if you feel good about what you're hearing from Nick Casario, the general manager. Never mind Cal Kyle McNair. Push him to the side. Because there's many owners in professional sports that the head coaches cannot stand because they don't know what the hell they're doing. One thing that Deshaun did that was clever to media, not only clever but smart, way beyond his age, is he realized that there was going to be a protest that was going to take place in front of Texas Stadium in Houston, 
And he went out on, on social media and said, don't protest. Don't even worry about it. Let's handle it a different way because we're in a pandemic. He doesn't want people out there, thousands of fans protesting and somebody gets sick. So that was smart on his part. So that part shows me that he cares about the fan base and he's maybe just kind of paying attention to the way things are starting to unfold under Nick Casario. And then maybe if Eric Bieniemy is the guy because he's watching what he's doing in Kansas City to with Patrick Mahomes on a on on a bid to win a second Super Bowl that he may be the guy that could get the Houston Texans over the top. Z and if that is the case, let's just see where these conversations go before we are pushing him out of the door. Let's just see. Indeed, let's find out. Plenty of time. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and I would encourage anybody to go to theundefeated.com to check out a piece by Jason Reed, one of our great writers there, that delved into this subject that we just spent time talking about. Tremendous detail. It's there. When do we see Kyrie next? We're presented by Progressive Insurance. The answer on the way. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.